There was a man, and I was told this story as it's a true story, that one day was in his garage. He was working on his motorcycle. He had some engine problems, and so he is, he's working on it, and he's, he gets it cranked up, and he's sitting on it, and without realizing what he had, just, he had done, he's got it at full throttle, and he kicks it into gear, and it goes through the plate glass windows into their den, crashes into their couch, of course, shattering the glass. Thank goodness nobody was in there, but he's cut up by the glass. The motorcycle, of course, has made a huge mess in the den. His wife, as a precaution, calls the ambulance. The ambulance comes and gets him because he's cut up pretty good, and they carry him to the hospital. While he's at the hospital, she cleans up uh, all the gas and the oil mess in the, the den and puts a lot of it in the commode. He comes home three hours later, band-aids, bruised, you know, he's feeling bad. He goes in the bathroom and he's smoking a cigarette. He opens the commode and he throws the cigarette into the commode and hence the commode explodes, blowing off his eyebrows, a lot of his hair, giving him not terrible burns, but some burns on his body. He's screaming and hollering. His wife calls the ambulance again. The ambulance comes, and they're putting him on the stretcher, and the ambulance driver then realizes this is the same guy that just drove his motorcycle into the den that I picked up four hours earlier. He starts laughing. He trips, drops the guy off the stretcher, and it breaks the guy's arm. That's some pain and problems, isn't it? It is. It is. Here's my first thought for you this morning. Pain and suffering will come into your life. Hopefully not in that form but it will. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. If you have your Bibles, if you don't, there'll be, uh, the scriptures will be on the screens. Last week, we talked about heaven. We talked about Paul actually being caught up to heaven and what an unbelievably wonderful experience that was. And then we have this right on the heels of that for a very specific reason. In verse 7, God, through Paul, says, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the great and surpassing uh, revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Let's walk through this just for a second. The word thorn there literally means something that pricks you, that pokes you, that, that impels you. In Jesus' day and in Paul's day, A form of capital punishment was not only crucifixion, but they still impaled people. You know what it means to be impaled? It means they stick a a stake in the ground and they stick your body on it. Paul said whatever this problem was, it's like being impaled. He says this is a thorn in the flesh. The flesh, and this is important, it can mean the human body or just can can mean his humanity. that, That as a human being, he was suffering in some form or fashion. He says, this thorn tormented me. And literally, the torment is the idea of being beat with the fist, being hit over and over and over with the fist. Paul had a problem. Wouldn't you agree? Now, we don't know, and this is very significant, we don't know what his problem was. A lot of speculation over the last 2,000 years. The Bible's silent, and I'm going to tell you in a minute, I believe, why it's silent about what it was. It may have been an ophthalmology issue, an eye issue. If you're taking notes in Galatians chapter 4, you can look it up when you get home. Paul talks about 
uh, about being sick when he was ministering to the people in Galatia and that they would have even torn their own eyes out and given them to him if they could have. Paul talks about in some of his letters writing at the end and signing in, in, with a big hand signature Typical of someone who might not see well. You remember in Acts chapter 9, Paul was on the Damascus road and a blinding light hit him and blinded him for a few days. Very well, this could have been an eye problem, but we don't know. Some people say it was uh, epilepsy. Some say he was a chronic insomnic. Some say maybe it was malaria that was common to this Mediterranean area. I've never had malaria, but the people who I know who have had it say it's terrible. It's like the flu on steroids. And it lasts and it lasts and it comes back and it lasts. Some medieval Bible commentators say Paul was struggling with sexual temptation as a human being. And as a single man at this point. Some in the Reformation said it was more of a spiritual battle he was dealing with. This is the absolute truth. There was a Scottish commentator that said Paul had a nagging ex-wife that was a thorn in the flesh. No way that could be possible, is it? The pastor went to go talk to a fourth grade Sunday school one time, and he was asking them about their parents and about marriage. And he said, if Jesus was talking to your parents today or talking to God about your parents, what would he say? One little boy raised his hand. He said he would say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Marriage is tough. I honestly do not believe this was a nagging ex-wife. Maybe it was just because he got so heavily criticized all the time. In verse 10, he says... That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions. Folks, Paul got kicked all the time by people, literally and verbally. But you know what? We don't know what it was. And here's the reason I don't think we know. Because if we could identify it was an eye problem or a back problem, then you would say today... This doesn't apply to me. This doesn't relate to me. If we could say it was an emotional problem or a nagging ex-wife or or insomnia, you would say, well, maybe I don't struggle with that, so it doesn't apply to me. You know why we don't know what it is, is I think because God wanted you and me to hear this morning that you have thorns in the flesh just like Paul did, and they may be from a thousand different directions. Let's answer this question, and this is important. Why? Why do pains and problems come into our life? I want to share with you a couple of things. One, it's just life. It's just life here on earth. You're going to have problems. Secondly, sometimes God is disciplining you. Write this down. Hebrews 12, it talks about the discipline of God. You don't have to raise your hands, but some of you know what God's woodshed is like. God disciplines those he loves, sometimes in the form of thorns. Sometimes we just reap what we've sown. In other words, sometimes we are experiencing pain and troubles in our lives because we have been sinful and dumb. People sitting in jail today, some of them because they were sinful and dumb. People having marital problems, academic problems, even health problems, sometimes... Certainly not all the times we've brought it on ourselves. Here's the fourth thing. Sometimes people bring it on us. Everyone in here has been touched or hurt by somebody else. In my hometown, 
near my hometown where Clayton and I grew up, there's been a, a terrible uh, abduction, kidnapping, murder that happened about three years ago. It was of a young lady, 20-year-old college student, was leaving her, going, getting ready to go to school one day, and she disappeared. Her brother actually saw her walking into the woods with a, a man, and for some reason he didn't respond. They've never found her. They just arrested three local thugs up there, and they're pretty certain that they murdered them, murdered the girl. And every time I read that story that's gone on for three years without resolution, it just reminds me how other people can be evil and sinful and how we pay for that. But let me tell you the fifth thing that Paul highlights here today. Sometimes it's a direct attack of Satan. Now, Satan capitalizes on everything else. Folks, Satan capitalizes on life. He capitalizes on your sinfulness. He capitalizes on other people's sinfulness and what other people do. He even jumps in when God's disciplining us to to capitalize on that. But look what Paul says in verse 7. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations... There was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger, that literally means an angel of Satan. Folks, the Bible tells us that Satan, Lucifer, was an angel. And he rebelled against God and he was cast down from heaven to earth. And one-third of the angels were stupid enough to follow him. We call them demons today. But here's what Paul says. Paul says, whatever this problem was, he knew it was a direct attack of Satan. Now listen, you may be too educated today and you don't believe in Satan. I want to tell you, that's exactly what he wants you to do. Satan wants you to believe he doesn't exist. And you could hear some liberal preacher or, or, or some church that would say, oh, Satan, that's just, a, that's just a myth or that's just, you know, the general evil in the world. Folks, Satan is a real being and he hates you. And he, he is going to attack you. He's going to attack your family. He's going to attack your kids. He's going to attack you academically. He's going to attack you financially. He's going to attack you in every form or fashion. Years ago, I was talking about this passage with a man in Texas. It was a good friend of mine. He was just a little more health and wealth than I was, and he didn't really believe Christians ever really had problems. I guess I wasn't saved. But we were talking about this passage, and here's what he told me. He said, I don't really think Paul had a thorn in the flesh. I think he just thought he did. You know, it wasn't real. And and the Greek word for that is baloney. Paul had a real problem, folks. And mom and dads, I want to tell you today, you go, well, why are we having this sermon on a baby dedication day? Well, because I don't know if there's anything that could be more relevant. That you're going to have pains and problems. Your kids are going to have pains and problems. It's a part of life, and sometimes it's a direct attack of Satan. And let me tell you a second thing that's tough, too. Sometimes it doesn't go away. Sometimes our, our thorns come, and they're, they're here for a week. Sometimes they're here for a season. But look what Paul says here in verse 8. Three times... I pleaded with the Lord to take it from me. But verse 9, but he said, my grace is sufficient. In other words, he's saying here, I begged God to heal me. Folks, Paul had the gift of healing. Paul prayed for people and saw people healed, but God did not heal him here. 
And, and the verb tense of this thorn in the flesh is that it was continual. In other words, Paul probably struggled with this issue the rest of his life. So why am I telling you that? Well, it's in the Bible, but it's in the Bible for you and me to get a hold of. But sometimes that you or your child or someone in your family is going to have an issue and it may not go away for a long time. Or it may not go away ever. And that's why everything we're going to see in just a moment is so important as we try to deal with it. So a third question is this, what's going on? I mean, why the thorn in the flesh for Paul? Why the thorn in the flesh for me? And listen, today, if you're fortunate enough that everything's going well, that is so awesome. Put the seatbelt on because the thorn could come tomorrow. I promise you, breathe another two years, some thorns will come into your life. What's going on? Two things are going on. One, Satan's trying to destroy you. I'm not going to read it again, but it's very evident here that what's happening is Satan is trying to to get Paul off course. He's trying to discourage him. He's trying to get him to quit. He's trying to get him to give up. Let let me tell you this. If you're taking notes, this is worth writing down. Here's what Satan's agenda is for you and your kids and your family. If you're not a Christian, Satan's agenda is to keep you from Jesus. Satan's going to end up in hell someday forever, and his goal is to take as many people with him as he can. The Bible says hell wasn't prepared for you. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. But you're going to go there. I'm going to go there if we don't have a relationship with Christ. His goal is to keep you away from Jesus. But once you come to Christ, listen, here's what his goal is. His goal is to ruin you. His goal is to discourage you, is to ruin your witness, is to ruin your marriage. I think the greatest victory for Satan, for a Christian, is when they commit suicide, when they just give up on life. Satan wants to use that thorn in your life in your kid's life, in your family's life, to destroy. But here's some great news. God's working too. God's trying to work too. It's very evident in this passage, in verse 9, but he said to me, listen, Satan is, is, is coming at you, but my grace is sufficient. My power is made perfect in your struggles, in your weakness." Here's some great news. When your life seems to be falling apart, when the pressure is too much, recognize it for what it is. It's bad. But understand, God is not asleep. Romans 8.28 says, And we know this, in all things God works for the good to those who love him, who have been called to his, according to his purpose. That's talking about Christians there. Here's what that wonderful verse means. It means whatever your mess is today, whatever your mess is in the future, self-created, devil-generated, other-created, life in general, if you will let God, and we're going to show you how in a moment, you will let God put his hand in that mess, he can create a masterpiece. See, Satan's using the thorn to try to destroy you God's going to try to use that thorn to do something great in your life. Now, what's God trying to do? What's God trying to do? C.S. Lewis was a great English writer. 
C.S. Lewis said this, God whispers to us in our pleasures. What does that mean? It means when everything's going great, we can sleep through church. We can text through church. Everything's cool and so are we. God speaks through our conscious. Maybe when we're making decisions and things we shouldn't be, we hear that little voice. And God shouts to us in our pains. Amen. Charles Stanley is a prolific writer, the pastor of First Baptist in Atlanta, Georgia. Many years ago, Stanley was going 90 to nothing. He had a complete breakdown. Wound up in the hospital for two weeks. He said he began to pray and say, God, why would you put me in the hospital? I'm a pastor. I'm preaching. I'm writing. I'm making a difference. And he said he heard God whisper, this is the only way I could get your attention. And then Charles Stanley said, speak, oh God, speak. (laughs) What's God trying to do in your thorn? What's God going to be trying to do 15 years from now, mom and dad, with that problem with that kid is not going away or it's driving you crazy? What's God trying to do? I want to tell you two things God's trying to do today in your life. Number one, he's trying to keep you humble. That's not a good word to hear, is it? I'd rather hear he's trying to give me chocolate pie. In verse 7, to keep me from becoming conceited because of this surpassingly great revelation, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan. Paul had the equivalent of two PhDs. He was the Jew of Jews as far as his background, his heritage, his bloodline. Paul had been allowed by God to experience heaven. And Paul said, you know what? God had to knock me off my high horse to keep me from being fat-headed. Here's what the Bible says. Take heed. The Bible says, humble yourself. I love what Billy Graham said. Billy Graham said, be very careful about asking God to humble you because he will. The Bible says, humble yourself. Here's the problem. We are not very good at doing that. We're not very good at doing that. So God allows thorns to come into our life to humble us. Some of you need to hear this this morning. You're not God. And you need God. Some of you need to hear this this morning. You are better than no one else in the world. And no one else, by the way, is better than you. But get off your high horse. God cannot use you. You're a a bad witness. You're not going to be a good parent. You're not a good representation of your business, of your workplace, wherever it is. Until you get off your high horse and you're willing to get on your face before God. God uses thorns to humble us. Paul said, this thorn doesn't go away, but one thing it does, it keeps me humble. Here's the second thing. God's trying to keep you to depend on him more and more. God wants you to depend on him more and more. This is a biggie too, and they go together. Verse 9 and 10, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient. I'm not going to heal you, Paul. For my power is made perfect in weakness. I need you weak, Paul. 
Therefore, Paul says, I will gladly boast about my weakness so that God's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake, I delight in the weakness and the bad things because when I'm weak, then I am strong. See, these again go hand in hand together. Here's what God wants to do. God wants you to be humble and God wants you to depend on him. No, listen, this is just the opposite of life. We dedicated 21 precious babies today. Here's the goal with a healthy, ch- a healthy child. They're completely dependent, right? And then you want them to grow up and to be completely independent. That's the goal. That's the goal. Parents know that sometimes when their kids get in their 20s, you kick them out of the nest and they circle around and come back. You have to keep kicking for a while. But that's okay because you're trying to get them to be what? You're trying to get them to be independent. That's the goal of health. Now, see, here's the problem. We think that's the goal of Christianity is independence. Nothing could be farther from the truth. God wants you to be more and more dependent on him, not less dependent. I was saved 32 years ago, and I want to tell you, 32 years ago, my dependency on God was about like this. It's a long way from where it should be today, but it's a whole lot more than that today. When I was, a, uh, when I was first a Christian, I didn't have to pray much. I didn't have to read my Bible much. Today, I need to pray a lot more. I need to read my Bible a lot more. You see, many of us, we're growing the wrong way as Christians. Part of it's because we think Christianity is a head knowledge thing. So if we know more, we are awesome. There could be nothing farther from the truth. Nobody knows more academically about God than the devil. Listen, when you're growing right with Jesus, you're becoming more dependent. In other words, you ought to be in church more, not less. You ought to read your Bible a lot more, not less. You ought to pray a lot more, not less. Are you following me? See, we do just the opposite. We, we become a Christian, and then after a little while, we got the answers. We know, you know, we don't have to come to church as much. We just don't need it. Uh, you know, we don't pray like we need to. We don't read our Bible because we have it figured out. And you know what? That's exactly what God's trying to knock you and I off our high horse and to get us dependent and humble on Him. How many of you are old enough to remember when 9-11 happened? Let me tell you, I was pastoring in Texas then. Our church was fuller those first two weeks after 9-11 than Easter and Christmas combined. Three weeks went by, it was over. God humbled people. He had people depending on him and needing him. And then when the pressure was off and we weren't going to be overran by the jihadists, then it was cool again. We didn't really need God. You you may not know who Michael Catt is, but you know the church he pastors probably. It's Sherwood Baptist Church in the Atlanta, Georgia area. They're the church that's put out Fireproof. Remember the movie Fireproof, Facing the Giants? You're familiar with that movie. When Michael Catt went to that church, it was was probably a church that ran 2,000 people. This was a big church. 900 people left the church mad at him. That's pretty tough. And he said during that period, he was depressed, he was confused, he didn't know what to do. And he called one of his pastor friends, and he was telling him about what had happened. And his pastor friend said, Michael, is this making you pray more? And he said, it's making me pray a lot more. He said, it may be bad in a lot of ways, but it's good if it's making you pray more. 
You following me? See, why God's going to let things come into your life, and sometimes they're not going to let up because he's trying to get you saved. He's trying to get you back to him. He's trying to get you humble. He's trying to get you dependent. He's trying to get you to bow your life and keep it bowed to him. So what do we do? What do we do? Let me tell you what Paul did. Paul prayed like mad. God, remove it. God, get rid of the thorn. Paul traveled with a doctor, a guy named Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke. He was a doctor, Dr. Luke. He traveled with him, I believe, because Paul had some physical problems. And having a traveling doctor with you is a good thing. Paul did everything he could do, but he knew that he could not overcome this himself. What do you do when the thorn in your kid or in your wife or your husband or your family is too much? You fall completely into God. I had leaned into God earlier, but if that's not strong enough, you fall into God. You fall into God is what you need to do. When we read this passage, you don't see a lack of passion here. In verse 9, he says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. The word grace means undeserved favor and undeserved mercy. Here's what Paul found out. When he couldn't handle the thorn... God's grace was sufficient. Sufficient means it's enough. In other words, you go, I can't handle this. That's okay. God can. Have you ever heard someone say, God will never give you more than you can handle? Have you ever heard that? That's a lie. That's not in the Bible. God will allow stuff to come in your life you cannot handle. So you will humble yourself and depend on him. See, here's the right thing. There's nothing you and God together can't handle. Amen? Don't say God won't allow too much to come in that I can't handle. That's not true. You had not lived very long if you believe that. God's going to let stuff come into your life you can't handle. So it will humble you and you will surrender yourself and depend on him. And God says, when you do and you fall into my grace, my grace is enough to see you through the thorns. Isn't that good news? And then God says one last thing. Then God can do great things through us. Then God can do great things. Paul says in verse 9, my grace is sufficient. It's made perfect in weakness. My power is. And he goes on and he says, It's by Christ's sake I delight in these things. For when I'm weak, I'm strong. Folks, in verse 9, the word power is literally where we get our word dynamite from. It means inherent power. Now, I want you to listen to me for just another minute. Here's the problem with many of us. We are too egotistical. We are, we are trusting in our money. We're trusting in our education and in our status. Those are the things we're looking for. And you can always be too big for God to use, but you can never be too small for God to use. Isn't that great? And Paul said, when I humbled myself and I became dependent on God, that's when the inherent power of God came through me and God used me the most. You want God to use you. You got to get out of the way so he can. I want to challenge you this morning. Humble yourself today. Grow in dependence on God more and more. 
and let him do some fabulous things in your life. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for our Christians that they'll do what they need to do this morning. Humble themselves. Throw themselves at you. If you're here and you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian, I want to ask you where you're seated to pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to repent of my sins. I believe you're God's son who died for me and arose for me. Jesus, come into my life. And today, I give you, I give you me, Jesus. Let me have your attention just for a moment. We're going to stand in a moment. I want to challenge you to respond to what God's saying to you. Maybe you just prayed and asked Christ in your heart. When we stand, come today. Or if you'd like to do that, come today and follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you'd like to join the church. One way you can do that when we stand is you could come. We'll be down here waiting on you. We'd love for you to. Come join us today. You need a church. Many of you are Christians today. And to be honest with you, if you don't humble yourself at some point, God's going to humble you. He's going to allow things to happen to try to get your attention. Take the first move. Maybe you want to come and get on your knees or your face here at the altar, pray with a minister of a Christian, fall fall into God, let him see you through the storms. Let's stand. God leads you. We'll be waiting on you today. We'll be down here. Respond to